the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome in to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. For the next hour, we'll be talking about, well, a lot of things, things that are in the news right now and how it affects your money, how it affects you managing your wealth, growing your wealth. That's what they're about at Aptus Wealth Management. They're located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, and you can get a free consultation with Josh and the Aptus team. All you need to do is call their office and set it up. Their number is 614-917-1040. You can also make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. While you're there, it's a great time to subscribe to Josh's YouTube channel. That way you'll get concepts we talk about here on the show broken down in smaller doses, which you can watch again, take notes on, pause, share with your friends. And so, Josh, let's talk about current events. We've got a lot of angst out there in the markets. Uh, Kind of a contentious meeting this week with Jerome Powell, the Federal Reserve Chairman, and members of Congress. And he's basically sending out the vibe that inflation is not reacting the way that they wanted it to, to the eight rate hikes in 2022. I don't know, have they hiked it already in 2023? The last one was a quarter of a point, I know that. And he's basically sending out the signal that if we want to get inflation under control, and he definitely feels like that's his key job, then they're going to have to raise rates more, and that probably means, what, a half a point the next time? Well, we don't know, uh, but what we do know is that the news has certainly taken this information and turned it into alarm bells. Yeah. Right? So I've gotten a lot of emails or texts from clients here as of late saying, you know, the article's ranging from, are we headed into a recession, to we're going to be in a recession the next three days, the stock market's going to plummet, which it's amazing to me that people are that confident in their predictions they're that confident you think they'd be sitting on a pile of money somewhere because they're such good traders. But, you know, I think all of these things lend to a lot of trepidation and angst and fear about what do we do moving forward. So I think it'd be a good, uh, I guess, reference point to talk about, you know, what is a recession? Mm -hmm. What does one look like? What are the indicators of a recession? And are we, in fact, heading into one? One of the overwhelming things that I could say uh, initially would be interest rates is a great thing to look at when you're trying to predict a recession. And we've had a lot of interest rate hikes trying to combat inflation, but we are also in something called an inverted yield curve. And what an inverted yield curve means, and you've probably noticed this if you go to the bank or you look at treasuries or you're trying to save some money on a guaranteed basis, that I can get a higher rate on my CD over nine months than I can over five years. Yeah, that just just seems really strange to me. Well, it doesn't make sense. You would think delayed gratification would buy you more rate. Sure, the longer that you're going to have my money, the higher return I would want on it because my money's not accessible to me if you have it for a longer time. Well, there's always this liquidity premium is what we call it. If you want my money for longer, you better pay me more. Right. 
And unfortunately, in times of uncertainty, particularly times of interest rate uncertainty, banks are unwilling to take that risk. And if you look at uh, interest rates in general, let's say on treasuries or just on the bond market in in aggregate, kind of in general, you're you're getting about 1% higher of a rate on a one or a two year than you are on a 10 year. And the 10 year seems to be very reflective of a 30 year. So you go all the way out to 30 years and you're getting about the same thing you would on a 10 year and I can do better on a one or a two year. That doesn't make sense. Uh, But what that tells us is that the future of the economy and interest rates is very uncertain. Banks are unwilling to take the risk of locking in at four or 5% for the next 10 years when they don't know if interest rates will be anywhere near that over the next 10 years. And, you know, the reason that's important, you might say, who cares, is to my knowledge, at least, I believe that's happened seven or eight times in our, in our, uh, you know, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. history. And I think it's the only metric that is 100% reliable in its predictor up to this point of a recession. Yeah, I heard a number today on my way into the office, and that is that this is the eighth time we've had an inverted yield curve and that it is inverted. And I'm not sure what the measure is. But it's more inverted now than it's ever been. And you're right, all eight times previously, there has been a recession result from that inversion. So, okay, I'm always wondering if we're into some new charting of territory where what's happened in the past is not necessarily a predictor of what's going forward. But a 100% predictor is one that, you know, could change, I guess, but hasn't yet. And that's something to pay attention to. Agreed. However, if you look throughout history, and you might think, well, maybe I'm trying to look through rose-colored glasses on this one, but if you look throughout history, there's always been other factors that had a significant impact on the economy as well that looked poor. Let me give you some other statistics. For example, uh, we can argue about jobs reports and whether or not Mm -hmm. they're completely accurate or not inaccurate, but you can argue about the fact that the jobs reports look really, really good. Um, We're adding jobs at a really significant clip. Yep. Uh, We're also in an extreme low unemployment arena right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Consumer spending is up significantly. We just hit consumer spending records uh, on, you know, growth over the last couple of years. Um, And then you look at like housing starts. How stable is the housing market? I just saw a stat recently that 85% of the houses, this was put up by Zillow, I believe, 85% of the houses in the United States still have a mortgage rate of less than 5%. And less than 1% of homes are currently in a foreclosure status. So if you think about a recession, you typically think about people are losing their jobs, can't find work, they're losing their homes, they can't, you know, the list goes on. They're not spending, yeah. Yeah, people are spending, they have jobs. If they can't get, if they don't have a job currently, the job market's very strong to go find Mm -hmm. one. And people aren't losing their homes. So all of those measures don't really point towards an economic collapse or a recession. So we're kind of in this weird holding period. And I think the big wild card and the variable that everybody's watching to is who you mentioned earlier, Jerome Powell. What's he going to do with interest mm-hmm. rates? And if they get a little too aggressive, they can stall out the market. And then what you would see is maybe not a recession that you feel as dramatically as you might define as a recession, but definitely recession as it relates to stock market performance. Okay. So I got a couple questions. And if you have questions, a great way to get them answered and to have uh peace of mind, which is what I gained from sitting with Josh with my wife for the Aptus Retirement Blueprint consultation. You can call their office and set up your free consultation. No obligation. 614-917-1040. Their website is Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. So these are kind of rudimentary questions, but most people remember the quote-unquote worst economic 
downtime of the recent past was 2008 housing crisis. Is that a recession? 2008. 100%. Okay. Recession. Okay. Yeah. So the inverted yield curve now, you said you get a better return on your money if the bank has it for a shorter period of time than a longer period of time. Why is that bad for investors? Because the higher returns at the end that you were able to count on before are not there. Is the short-term return in line with what the short-term returns have been before? Yeah, I think I can. There's two questions in there. One, you know, I think we've lived through a really long period of time where we've had really low interest rates, Mm -hmm. which was abnormal. Let me stop you right there. In 2008, when the housing market crashed, were interest rates, had interest rates been low for a long time, and that's why people were buying houses they couldn't afford? What were interest rates approximately then? No, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, interest rates, you know, over the last several years were much lower than they were back in 08, 09 and the years preceding 08, 09. Now, the federal government or the Fed mm-hmm. did retract rates to try and spur the economy during that time period, but that was not the cause of the economic collapse or the financial crisis of 2008, 2009. And obviously, there's a lot of factors that went into it, but the overwhelming uh, issue that caused 2008, 2009 was poor lending practices. Yeah, it was defaulting on mortgages. Yeah, so we were lending people, uh, we were lending on houses on three-year arms with no money down, no document loans. (laughs) You can buy eight houses if you want, even though you're making $100,000 a year. I mean, people were over-leveraged to the gills. And in an environment where housing starts were at historical significant highs. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to today and kind of compare and contrast between the two. And we have housing starts are lagging. We're not catching up. We have an inventory problem. And people are in a pretty good spot as far as equity goes. And now we're in a rising interest rate environment where people are more predisposed to stay in their home sure. rather than go get a new house at a higher mortgage rate. Yeah, so I think it's completely different. Your payment's going to be astronomical if you're getting a mortgage at 6.6% as opposed to getting your mortgage at two something or three something. Absolutely. Okay. So back to my question about, is it bad? The short-term return right now, higher than the long-term return, that's the inverted yield curve that we talked about, which has been a 100% predictor of recessions. And that's important because you're in the um, financial you know, sector, the fiduciary where you're contractually obligated to do what's best for your clients. You want to grow their investments. You want to help them prepare for retirement. You don't want people to get there and not be able to handle all the expenses. So that's why this is germane to our conversation here on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Is it bad for investors to have an inverted yield curve? And I'll stop with that, and then I want to ask later about the comparative return of short-term now compared to short-term when the yield curve is not inverted. Yeah, I think you can look at this scenario and two perspectives, and I'm glad that we're shifting over to the investment side perspective, because on one side, you have what I would define as kind of the real economy. How much can I afford with groceries, et cetera? But what is the real challenge from your long-term investment goals? And the real challenge is when you have an inverted yield curve, it points towards uncertainty. So you typically have volatility in the market. And you try and juxtapose or kind of offset that volatility by going into some sort of fixed instrument. And you go, So you have certainty. So you have certainty. So you go, great. Uh, I'm going to go to bonds. Mm -hmm. Well, when you have a rising interest rate environment, bonds are inversely proportional to interest rates, which means as interest rates go up, it's an unfavorable environment for bonds. And we've seen that in that across the board, if you look at bond returns in every index, so you think about the, you know, Lehman Brothers aggregate index, the, you know, government and credit index, you go all the way down the board, every single one of those indexes over the last 12 months is negative. 
And on average, you're about 10% negative in the, in the aggregate bond indexes. So you'd say, well, the stock market's been really volatile. Last year, the market was down roughly 20%. So I put half my money in bonds and I lost you know, 10 to 12% in that as well. Mm-hmm. That's not a real safe place to go. And so they, you're saying basically where you've been able to go in the past to be safe is not safe now. Not safe now, or okay. at least it hasn't been over the last 12 okay. months. And I don't think that that, as we listen to Jerome Powell saying we might have to raise interest rates even more, I don't think it's going to be a safe place to go anytime soon. So the real challenge to this inverted yield curve is how do I find a place where I can achieve a predictable rate of return safely over the next several years, maybe even long term? Mm -hmm. Because you're not retiring for three years. You're retiring probably for 20 or 30 years, hopefully, if you've done it right. So how do I predictably create an income stream that I can't outlive when interest rates are incredibly uncertain? And as a result of interest rates being so uncertain and economic uncertainty and the potential for a recession and everything the Fed's doing, well, my stock market returns are bouncing all over the place too. How do I come up with some sort of semblance of what to do? That's the big challenge. That is the big challenge. And to help you with that, that is what they are contractually, legally obligated to do as fiduciaries at Aptus Wealth Management. They're located in Lewis Center just off Route 750. It is not far from 270 and 23. They do service many clients outside the area. And so if you are outside the area, you can get with Josh and his team, and he meets with clients all the time digitally. That's one of the things that we drew from the pandemic. Set up your consultation by making your appointment via the phone, 614-917-1040, or online at aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. If our conversation is of interest to you, and we hope it is, you can listen to it again tomorrow at noon on Saturdays when the show replays. Tell your friends about it and catch Josh with me every Monday at 12.30 p.m. on the Bruce Hooley Show. We do Money Monday every week where we talk about the latest news out there in the markets that affect your retirement and building toward retirement. Okay, so short-term yield... Uh, is better than long-term yield right now. Is the short-term yield now as good as or better than or worse than it is when times are not as volatile as they are now? Uh, Well, it depends on the time, but I can tell you that interest rates are right now as high as they were back in about 2007. So we've lived for the last 15 plus years in an interest rate environment that was a lot less than this. However, during that same time period, if you think about from 2009 until today, we were in the longest bull run in the history of the stock market as well. So Mm -hmm. you had a very easy time making money by saying, okay, sure, fixed interest rates are terrible, but I'm just going to put all my money in the market because every every dollar I put in goes up like a rocket ship, so I'm in great shape. Now, fast forward till today, last year the market was down 20%, so obviously that doesn't feel nearly as safe and secure as it once did. Mm Mm-mm. Um, And I would rather shift my money to fixed. Well, until very recently, your savings account at the bank was probably paying 0.1. So that doesn't work. And then I put my money in bonds and I lost money there too. What do we do? And I I think a lot of people when facing this type of situation go, you know, I'm just going to time this one out, which is always a risky proposition. I've gotten several texts from clients saying, hey, I want to have my finger on the trigger. So when this thing goes south, we get out of the way. We get off the tracks. And that's a really dangerous proposition because when you get off the tracks, the question is, when do you get back on them? Yeah. You better have a disciplined approach on how you're going to do that. And, and I've had some conversations with people say, it's not the return on my money, it's the return of my money. So I really don't <laughs> care. Just put me in cash. Well, what's the problem with cash? Here's some recently released information from just February 14th, so not that long ago. 
CPI uh, rose 6.4% from a year ago, which is down slightly from the 6.5% that it did through December. But the categories that saw the most inflation were motor vehicle insurance, recreation apparel, household furnishings, with declines in used cars and trucks, medical care, airline fares, etc. But here's the big, the big uh, note of this. Among the rising year over year, meaning that they've just been consistently going up, is fuel oil was up 27 plus percent, home gas service up 26 plus percent, frozen vegetables up 19 percent almost, lettuce 17, eggs 70, butter 32. Yeah, crazy. So if you think that your solution to all of this is going to be, I'm going to stay in cash and not lose any money, when the cost of eggs are going up by 70 percent, you're going backwards very, very quickly. So you better come up with a solution. And the solution is, that stocks and bonds are not the only place on the planet to put your money. And you need to have a well-diversified strategy towards this. And this isn't, I think we overuse that a lot. Well-diversified portfolio. What's your portfolio? Well, let's quit using the word portfolio and start using the word cash flow, right? Or the words cash flow. Where are you going to get your cash flow predictably when you get in retirement? And you better have multiple streams of income. Those could come from Uh, You know, those CDs at the bank that we Mm -hmm. were talking about, they can come from shorter term bonds. They can come from insurance vehicles. They can come from rental real estate. They can come from private equity. They can come from stocks and dividends from from stock portfolios. But just simply saying I'm going to go to XYZ company and do a 60-40 portfolio, while it will work over the next 20 years, I think you're not going to like and enjoy the ride over the next several now, that's the challenge right now because it seems like every bit of news that comes out, uh, if it's not outright bad news, it's tinged with uh, kind of an uh-oh down the line. I mean, Jerome Powell says he's committed to getting inflation under control, but the way that he thinks that he might have to get it under control is more interest rate hikes, uh, which could lead to eventually unemployment, and uh, you know nobody likes that kind of a scenario. So if you would like to at least understand some of these issues a lot better, Sit with Josh and his team for your consultation. It's free. It's no obligation. Set it up online, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com is their website. You can make your appointment by calling their office, 614-917-1040. Again, they're located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. So you've been through these times before. What have you learned through these kinds of times before? And um, I guess maybe how difficult is it to get clients to understand that the markets are always changing, and while this is a volatile time, it doesn't mean that it is the time to panic and pull all your money and put it in a jar buried in the backyard or under your mattress. Well, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that it's incredibly difficult for some clients and incredibly easy for others. You know, Some clients simply recognize that this too shall pass, mm-hmm. and we've been down this path before, and there's a reason why I'm entrusting you to manage the money, and I also recognize that while I'm looking at this economy, this global economy through U.S. lenses, I know that I'm naive to the fact that it's a global economy and there might be places to make money outside of the United States. And I'll, I'll give you an example on why that's so important. You know, it was just released that China looks like they're posed to be the number two exporter of automobiles within the next couple of years. Wow. Now, why is that important? Japan's been number one forever, followed yeah. by the United States, followed by Korea. So China is leapfrogging quite a bit. So, you know, when we talk about politics and the things that are important with tax code in the United States, et cetera, that certainly influences that conversation. Where are companies going to set up shop to build their cars, to build their infrastructure, et cetera? But 
as we're you know talking about clients and you know how do you talk them off the ledge historical perspective is very important but making sure that they were in the right plan to begin with is critically important and what i see where i see people really get hurt is kind of chasing the tail of the dragon right they're constantly that that fear of missing out so when things are going really well they go i want to be more aggressive even though i know i'm not an aggressive person mm-hmm. and then that always whipsaws on them and they come back and go well i can't handle that if you're going to play aggressive you got to play aggressive you can't you can't play aggressive when it looks good and then play super conservative when it looks bad. That's called market timing, and yeah. it never works. But you can lean in and lean out of certain things, but you shouldn't get over your skis and your risk tolerance in general. So if you've looked over the last several years and said, well, I've never earned more than 3 or 4% over the last couple of years because I was so conservative, and then in 2022 I finally said, I can't do this anymore. It's time to start actually earning some money, and then you lost 20%. Well, then shame on you and shame on your advisor for playing that game. You shouldn't be playing that game. You should be playing the consistent game. So I'm curious, uh, this contentious discussion that we had between Jerome Powell and Elizabeth Warren in Washington, D.C., and we have reflected as we've done this show for a while now about how volatile things are. Um, We are a, a country where things can shift dramatically in how money and things related to money uh are managed or policies affect that money by which political parties in power does the American system where we have the potential to have a dramatic shift in political control really every two years, does that lend itself to more volatility in the market or did that not used to be the case? And now that I think it's inarguable, we're more polarized now politically. It has be, has it become more volatile because we have are more prone to swings of how we govern and how that governance affects markets? Uh, you know, the, the political environment is not different. This has been happening for 100 years, mm-hmm. right? More than 100 years. So you've had this kind of influence that the Republican or Democratic Party can have on their monetary policy, et cetera. So that's nothing new. What I think is new, even in the 20-plus years that I've been doing this, is what I've seen is the volatility has picked up dramatically because the government is getting far more involved with far larger dollars in their influence of sectors. So the government has the ability to regulate industries now to a level that can really, really dramatically change what industries do well and what industries are really swimming upstream. So, for example, think of green energy right Mm -hmm. now. To say that green energy doesn't have an extreme tailwind backed by the incentives provided by government would be foolish to say. And what has that caused? Well, let's look at the energy sector last year. The S&P 500, which most people regard as the, the market, quote unquote, is 500 stocks of the biggest stocks in the United States. But there are 11 sectors represented there. So think utilities, energy, communications, healthcare, et cetera. Last year in 2022, we saw the largest disparity between the winner and the loser. So energy stocks last year as a whole were up 66%, and communication stocks were down 40%. That is a 106% difference between winners and losers in a market where the total of those 500 companies averaged negative 20. So now you really start to see the disparity. Well, the loser was double worse, and the winner was four times better. Right. That type of relationship seems to be growing. These Bubbles and bursts seem to be growing, and that is being influenced by monetary policy of the federal government. 
Is there a short answer to why energy did so well when the narrative at least is that uh, the Biden administration has clamped down on what's been conventional domestic energy production? Yeah, you know, we would think, and this is a a very complicated issue, of course, and energy companies make money in a lot of different ways. However, when you create a scarcity, which is effectively what the war in Ukraine and the Biden administration did in in concert, um, you're left with nothing, you're left with no other choice as an energy company than to raise prices. If you have a president and a government saying, we're not going to let you build the infrastructure that you want to create the returns that you need, you quit building infrastructure and you say, how are we going to milk this thing a little bit? Sure. You start raising prices, yeah. which increases profitability. So what we saw is a lot less exploration, a lot less building of infrastructure and, a, and just raising prices. Yeah, makes total sense. And that's what I found when I sat with Josh and his team with my wife is it did make sense. And here's the thing about understanding your plan for retirement. It gives you peace of mind. And we've talked about the volatility out there in the market, the nervousness. It's understandable. It's smart even to be nervous about it. But to not arm yourself with the information that's available from a fiduciary like Josh, to me, is silly, particularly when a consultation is free. You can set yours up, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. You can also make your appointment online, aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com, located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. Welcome in to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. We appreciate you listening. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. And we're going to be talking about things that concern managing your wealth, getting you to retirement in a position where you're not concerned, where you can exercise financial independence. That's what it's about. You've worked hard. You want to grow your money. You want to preserve what you have saved. That's what they're about at Aptus Wealth Management. They're located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, not far from 23 and 270. And yes, if you're out of the area, they can definitely help you. You do not have to live in central Ohio to be an Aptus client. You can get your free consultation by setting it up online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. You can also make an appointment on the phone, 614-917-1040. Okay, so Josh, let's start with a stat that I saw today that resonated with me because I have a daughter, my oldest daughter, who is not a millennial, but she's young. And this tells me a little bit about how young people think. They have millennials racked up $4 trillion in credit card debt in the fourth quarter. That's a 27% rise in the amount of money that millennials, which are people who are in their 30s, have uh, charged to their credit cards since 2019. It was the biggest jump of any age group. And it's their fastest accumulation of wealth in their lives. So to me, this is unwise. I would never have done that when I was younger. I knew not to put debt on a credit card. Um, Is this something that's unavoidable because of rising prices in other areas, rising interest rates right now with home mortgages and car loans going up and all that? What do you make of the uh, willingness of millennials to borrow essentially by putting everything on their credit card? Maybe they're just following the lead of the federal government, right? That's what, <laughs> that's what they're, they're learning from their peers. Uh, you know, obviously this isn't a good thing. Now, I would like to think, and we'd have to look at some more stats, is this, you know, recurrent credit card debt or people actually paying this credit card debt off on a monthly basis? Or is this credit card debt that is holding stagnant and people paying towards it? 
that would be a challenge because what that does from my world is say, well, the economy is doing better because people are buying a lot of things, but that party is going to come to an end because at some point they're not going to be able to buy any more things because their debt service is going to be too high. Yeah. So, you know, just simply saying that they're putting a lot of stuff on credit is a, is a really bad choice. Yeah, it is a bad choice. And I think what I also saw was a story about an older couple that had credit card debt and it was oppressive and they used some of the money that they got from the government during the pandemic to pay off their credit card debt. Whew, big sigh of relief. They're out from under that. Then inflation started to hit. They started to put, well, it's just a little bit. It's just the electric bill. We'll catch up. $600 is not much compared to the 20000 that we owed before, but they found that they fell back into those same old habits. The credit card debt is uh, overall, not just millennials, hit a record $1 trillion in the last quarter. Um, that's amazing to me that we have a trillion dollars charged to credit cards when the interest rates on credit cards, I don't even know what it is because we pay ours off every month, but aren't you paying 20% annual interest if you're charging something on a credit card? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly high. You know, I'd, I'd like to think that all those people are just hanging on to that 0% financing for 12 months and they're going to pay mm. it all off lump sum. But statistically speaking, that's not the case. And I think, you know, what it really points to is we are creatures of habit. Yeah, We all are. If you get in a habit of saving and you automate the saving, then you continue to do the savings and you continue to go through that automation. If you play the disciplined approach and use your credit cards only when in an emergency or you put stuff on credit cards and pay it off every month, then you're using credit cards, you know, and Dave Ramsey, for example, would speak. This is the reason why you don't use them at all because you don't allow yourself, you know, I think he probably would use a reference to like, you know, you don't use heroin sometimes yeah. because, you know, you're smart. You'll only use it when you need it. Um, it's just a bad habit to get into. Now I don't subscribe to the, you know, cut up your, all your credit cards, but I do subscribe to discipline and I do describe to making sure that you create a pattern for yourself that eliminates you getting in trouble. So let's say we have some millennials listening to the show right now, and they're considering calling 614-917-1040. The Aptus uh, Wealth offices are thinking about coming in for a consultation. Uh, they are wondering how they develop discipline. Um, it's a great time to start. You always say the best time to start investing is, you know, yesterday. And if it's not yesterday, then it's today. So let's talk about the younger people and maybe for parents and grandparents out there who are trying to ingrain good habits. Do you have any suggestions for how you can teach these kinds of principles to people so that their go-to is not to just charge it and worry about how to pay for it later, but to actually understand that, you know, uh, just like credit card debt can become oppressive because the interest compounds and you owe more and more and more and more and more. Hey, investing, look at this. This is the same kind of concept, only works to your advantage. Yeah, in reverse, right? The power of getting ahead versus behind. Well, I would say what doesn't work is believing that you're going to change your entire life overnight. You know, it's that approach of, uh, you know, I'm 400 pounds, I eat four pizzas a day, but tomorrow mm. I'm going to eat perfect and I'm going to work out for three hours. You might do that tomorrow, but by the end of the week, you're probably going to crack. It's too big of a, of a change. So similarly with investing, let's say that somebody came in and they had $10,000 worth of credit card debt, $20,000 worth of student loans, and they're saving nothing. To say, well, we did this financial plan and all we need to do is you're going to live on ramen noodles every day and we're going to have you back on track. That's just foolhardy. You're, you're not going to do it. So let's start small. Let's start making strides in the right direction. And then let's automate those strides and then automate the increases. Mm -hmm. So if you start, I'm going to say 50 bucks a month. 
but in six months, it's going to ratchet up by 5% automatically. I have nothing to do with it. You'll find that when money is taking out, taken out directly, you don't even miss it. Now, if we said we want to get to 250 a month and we started at 250, well, you're going to feel that. That's going to hurt right out of the gate. But if it gradually happens over time, it won't hurt. And the same thing is true with paying off your, your credit cards. There's a, there's a method to the madness in which you pay off first and, you know, kind of taking approaches where I want to knock out one and feel good about it. And, and again, sort of lean into the Ramsey approach on this. But his is, you know, pay off the small, smallest balance first. That might not logically make mathematical sense, but you're, you're kind of propelling or using that as a sure. springboard for an accomplishment. Look at that. I don't have that one anymore. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah, you're building momentum right there. And uh, speaking of building momentum, uh, here's an email that we got from Evelyn. And you guys can send your emails, Bruce at SalemMedia.com. Bruce at SalemMedia.com. And the email says, I've heard you guys talk about long-term care and how you need to plan for long-term care. We tried to do that. We got some estimates about long-term care and what it might cost us, and they just seemed unattainable for us. So what is someone supposed to do who understands the necessity of planning for long-term care? What strategies can you tell us so that we can cope with that? Yeah, I'll I'll use an example that came into my office that I think would probably fall in tandem with what she's talking about. Um, You know, there's a few ways that you can handle long-term care. Uh, And I'm talking about actually through a product. Because everybody has a plan right now that's listening, and your current plan is I'm going to use all my money until I'm broke, and then when I'm broke, the federal government through this the program called Medicaid is going to mm-hmm. come in and start picking up the tab. And hopefully, whatever facility I'm in is a Medicaid-approved facility, and I can stay there. But if not, well, then I'm going to have to go somewhere else at the worst time in my life. And this sounds like a bad strategy, but this is the approach for all of us. It is. Right? It's an approach a lot of people have, yeah. The second approach would be... Um, I'm going to move all of my money into a trust, make myself effectively look broke in the next five years, and then Medicaid will have to pick up the cost. And I've, quote, shielded or repositioned my assets uh, you know, efficiently. But for a lot of people, that's not really the most effective and efficient option because you can't move qualified money into a trust. So even though it may make sense to move all your money into a trust and make it look like it doesn't exist – you have a million-dollar IRA. You would have to liquidate that million-dollar IRA, move it to the trust, pay taxes on it, mm. and I have yet to find anybody who's really excited about that process. <laughs> so the third option is I can buy a product, uh, whether it's insurance or something, that will help cover the cost or cover that cost in total. And in the olden days, which isn't that long ago, think 10 years ago, maybe even 20 years ago, there was kind of these – standard or run-of-the-mill long-term care policies. And for all intents and purposes, think of them as auto insurance. You would pay for this policy or health insurance, pay for the policy. If you didn't use the policy, well, then you lost all the money. If you didn't use it, you lose it. Um, If you need to go into a long-term care facility, well, then it'll pay for it. But there's only about a 50-50 shot that any of us are going to need to go in. And, you know, the unfortunate part is premiums weren't locked in. And long-term care, well, not a new phenomenon, uh, long-term care insurance is a pretty new phenomenon, so you would see rate increases to the point where, for most people, by the time they got to the point where they needed the insurance, they could no longer even afford the premiums to pay for it because mm-hmm. it had gone up so much. So that really kind of went by the wayside, and nobody uses that anymore. And then these hybrid life insurance policies came out where it was kind of like, well, if I if I pay into it, I can I can lock my premium, so that's cool, so I know exactly what, I, what I'm paying. If I don't use the insurance for long-term care, there's a death benefit, like a life insurance policy attached to it. So, you know, I might not be able to use the money, but I didn't throw it down the drain either. 
And then, you know, it's an exponential benefit if I go into long-term care. And these were called hybrid long-term care policies. The problem with those is the benefits have gotten pretty watered down over the years. I'm not saying it's not an option for some, but for most, that's where the buck kind of stops. People go, well, this sounded like a great idea, but why would I put $100,000 in a policy that only gives me $250,000 with a long-term care benefit? By the time I needed, I could have just invested it in something else and I would have been in the same position. Well, I think, you know, the the new wave of products that kind of solves that the best is actually through an insurance company still, but it's through an annuity contract. The benefit to the annuity contract is this. If I don't want to use it for long-term care and I'm wrong, that's always the big risk. Well, what if I, I think I can afford it, but now I realize that I can't afford it. Yeah. Well, you can use the annuity for your own income if you want. No big deal. If you need it for long-term care, it's an exponentially increased amount versus your regular annuity payment that you could get for long-term care. Oh, really? It goes up if you're actually using it for long-term care? For most contracts that work like this, it doubles it. So so let's say that you have an annuity that's paying you $50,000 a year. You go to a long-term care facility. Click, it goes up to 100. But you don't have to do it. You know, the old kind of traditional annuity contracts where you go, well, I got to turn on this. It's a bet between me and the insurance company as to how far, how long I'm going to live. You can do it with a deferred annuity contract, which means think of it as buying a CD. I buy this CD at some point if I want to turn on the income, great. If I turn on that income, it's going to be an exponentially greater income because the insurance company now knows they get my money for the rest of their, my life. And if I go in a long-term care facility, it juices it up even more. The real benefit, there's no underwriting. So if you're unhealthy and you're buying one of these products, you don't have to go through medical underwriting to determine that, you know what, we probably shouldn't do this. It's just everybody gets accepted. So I think that's really going to be the next evolution of long-term care planning in uncertain times where people just don't want to solely allocate money towards long-term care. They say, if I, if I need it, it's great that it's this ancillary benefit, but if I don't need it, I want to make sure that I live good on the way. Josh Pick, Bruce Hooley with you, Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. We also do a segment on my radio show, 12.30 p.m. every Monday, 98.9 The Answer. It's called Money Monday. That way you get Josh's analysis of the latest events out there as they concern the markets. And we are definitely in a period of volatility now. The Fed looks like they're going to raise rates again. They're trying to get inflation under control. So catch us Mondays, 12.30 on Money Monday and the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show airs at 7 p.m. Friday and noon Saturday. Tell your friends, share the content with them. I'd highly recommend you subscribe to Josh's YouTube channel. You can sign up to be a subscriber, get notified of new content posting when you go to the website, aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. While there, you can make an appointment for your free consultation. It's a no obligation. Get to know Josh. He will get to know you. They'll talk about risk tolerance with you and get to know each other. You can make your appointment for that free consultation by calling the office, 614-917-1040. I know when we talk about investing and we talk about scenarios coming up in the future, uh, there's always the disclaimer that everybody's situation is different and you're always trying to, uh, you know, you do deal with people on an individual basis. But uh, the thought of people, there's two schools of thought. You buy some kind of an investment vehicle to plan for long-term care, or you just say, you know, I'm going to save for retirement, save for uh, end of life, and come up with as big a nest egg as I can, and I'll pay whatever I have to pay out of whatever I have. Uh, I assume some clients take one approach. I assume some clients take another. Uh, What would govern 
what you would counsel people who have uh, an allegiance to one way or another way? Well, I think the the real easy argument would be if we can accomplish both things at the same time, why wouldn't we? Sure. And if we can accomplish both things at the same time with no cost to you, why wouldn't we? So where this really comes up and why we've started to lean into this approach of kind of a combo annuity uh, long-term care benefit approach is because for a lot of people, particularly in today's rate environment, annuities look very attractive for a piece of your retirement income anyway. So we were looking in this direction anyway. We were talking uh, you know, earlier uh, in the previous segment today about an inverted yield curve. One th- place that an inverted yield curve does not occur is in the insurance world. Because in the insurance world, they have more predictability because they have a larger portfolio of bonds. Mm-hmm. So you know, in a lot of instances, we're seeing clients say, you know what, I'd be completely content with rather than moving my safe money into CDs or bonds or whatever they might be, wouldn't it be cool if I could get a 5% guaranteed rate of return for the next 10 years, five years, and also at the same time get this hugely increased long-term care benefit attached to it that I'm not paying for, which is better than the CD rates I'm seeing. It solves the inverted yield problem. I don't have to worry about the inverse relationship in the bond market, so I'm not worried about losing money in my fixed category. Mm-hmm. It's guaranteed by insurance company, which is through SPIC, which is the same as essentially FDIC for all intents and purposes, up to 250000 in Ohio. So you have all of these ancillary benefits attached to something that you were going to do anyway. Well, then why wouldn't you do it? Sure. Now, if you're just vehemently opposed to the word annuity and you never want to go through it, well, that's fine too. We make the same amount of money. It doesn't matter to us what you decide to do. It's just my responsibility, my fiduciary responsibility to make you aware of something that solves the problem that you brought to me in the most efficient manner. Uh, Let's tackle another email. Here's one from Edward. He talks about his home. He says, we own our home and we would like to move to a retirement community in another state. We have a bigger house now than we need, but our mortgage that we paid off was way more affordable than the mortgage we would get where we're moving to. So... Should we take all the money from the sale of our home and use it toward the home in the new community where we're moving, or should we take out the mortgage, even though it's at a higher rate, and put some of that money into some kind of an investment vehicle to save for our retirement? That's a great question. And I I didn't hear, do they want to keep that they're moving officially? They're moving. They want to sell their home and move to another area. Yeah. So my suggestion would be very easy. Um, I would suggest that they pay cash for that home, assuming that they have cash flow from other sources to accommodate for that, knowing full well that at some point in the future, we may change our mind. Um, you know, rewind the clock back to a long time ago, we had uh, an expert in the, in the housing market in here, and he said something that really resonated with me. He said, you, don't, you buy the home, you rent the rate. Mm, interesting. So we're going to buy the home because rates are high. If rates retract, we may end up reversing that back to go and do a you know, cash-out refi sure. on our home. But right now in the volatility market that we're in, um, I, I can't see spending 6 7% on a mortgage when you don't have to, to turn around and try to get 6 or 7 in a portfolio that then you have to pay taxes on. It doesn't make any sense. So here's a conversation I had uh, yesterday with a friend who is moving to this area. He has a home out of state that he wants to sell. And he's doing what I, in other times, would do, which is wait until I get to the area where I'm moving, and it's central Ohio, 
he wants to live in a rental home for a year and kind of evaluate what neighborhoods does he like, what school systems does he like, and all that makes sense to me. It made sense to me until he told me what he has to pay to rent a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath home. And basically with the utility payments on the home and all that, he's going to be paying about $4,000 a month which I just can't get my arms around. I've always been the get a mortgage, don't rent, kind of that's my financial prism. I can't get my arms around paying $50,000 to rent a home for a year. I'm sure you have these kinds of questions that come up with clients and should I rent, should I buy, mortgage rates are high, all this. Uh, what kind of process should people go through to evaluate what's a smart decision to make in this kind of a environment? Well, while houses as of late have been very liquid, it's easy to get in and out of them and you're always profiting. That's not always the case. Homes are pretty sticky assets. They're, you know, there's not, it wasn't that long ago that it took you a year or longer to sell a home. That's what he's worried about coming from the state that he's in. He's worried about selling the home that he's moving from. Well, now let's fast forward and say $4,000 sounds like a lot of money per month. If you had a $4,000 mortgage, a very small percentage of that in today's rates is actually going to paying off your principal. Mm-hmm. So let's assume that he buys the wrong house rather than renting and he has to turn around and sell it. And then he uses realtors and he has to pay taxes. Sure. Most folks would say that the combination of realtors and taxes and closing costs, et cetera, is somewhere between eight and 10%. So if he's renting the house that you're talking about and paying $4,000 a month, it's probably a pretty nice house. So what's 10%? on a $500,000 house to turn around and sell it. Well, it's about 50,000 bucks, which is the same as what he's paying in rent. So my suggestion would be get it right, rent, decide where you want to go, and then buy the place. Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Set up your free consultation with Josh and his team, 614-917-1040. You can also make your appointment online. AptusWealth.com's website is AptusWealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. You can sign up for the consultation. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. They're located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. You know, paying off a house, buying a house, that was something I prioritized when I got out of college and started making some money. That's harder now for people. Um, And we talk about the necessity of building discipline into your saving for retirement, starting early. For people who really are finding it hard now to get out of a rental situation and they want to buy a home, but rates are going up, prices are going up, uh, how would you counsel someone if they say to you, hey, look, Josh, I don't disagree with you that I need to be saving for retirement, but I also don't like pouring money into a rental agreement where I'm not getting any equity. How would you balance that conversation and have them navigate it? Well, setting priorities is very important. You know, everybody's priorities are are different. Um, You know, some people have an extreme priority for whatever reason to make sure that they can pay for their kid's college. And they are willing to sacrifice other priorities to get there. Mm-hmm. And it is not my job to tell you where your priority should be. Uh, it is my job to tell you what the sacrifice is for making that uh, a, a pinnacle priority. So if your main priority is, I want to get into a house, uh, I feel good about the concept of home ownership and setting down roots and having a place for my kids to live, then by all means, let's do that first. However, uh, I would also argue, uh, and you just need to be aware, that Time is your greatest asset. And while getting into that home is great, and you could say, well, the house is going to compound and it's going to grow and all those things, that's true. But the concept of saving or the, the, the process of saving, uh, even $150 you know, 50 or $100 a month, 
over time, 40 years versus 20 years, the numbers are just monumentally, it's hard to even wrap your head around. Um, I, I looked at something the other day and it was something like if you put $1,000 in American Funds Investment Company of America back in 1934, today it would be worth $240 million. Or here's another one I just Ooh. saw hit the web, hit the, the web today. Um, if you put a thousand dollars in Berkshire Hathaway in 1965, you'd have over 25 million dollars today. It's because of time. Mm -hmm. If you put that same thousand dollars in Berkshire Hathaway, not 1965, but in 1990, wait until you see the difference. And if you think it's half, you are drastically mistaken. I mean, it is a mere fraction of the total. So trying to accomplish both things at the same time is the ideal scenario, but it doesn't mean that it's always plausible. And if you're drowning because your income is going up by 3% a year and your rent is going up by 6 that's a problem we need to solve first before we can move on to the other ones. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, that uh, through doing this show with Josh, I've been really impressed with uh, how much just, I'll say it, practical wisdom he brings to the table on matters of like tax planning and major purchases. And look, uh, the choices aren't always pleasant. It does require discipline. Uh, maybe you have to really take a second look at whether that vacation or that second vacation you want in a year is worth it. Uh, do you really need to upgrade your car? Those kinds of things. But every conversation is a personal conversation. Every conversation is different with every client. Sit with Josh and the Aptus team for your free consultation. Get to know them. Let them get to know you. Work on a plan. Get a plan for retirement because when you have a plan and understand it, you're in a much better position. Set up your consultation by calling 614-917-1040. You can make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Josh, great to have you in. We'll look forward to talking to you on Money Monday on the Bruce Hooley Show Monday at 1230. Thanks for your time. You as well. Thanks, Bruce. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.